This episode is sponsored by Riley's Way Foundation. Through community-focused programs, Riley's Way empowers young leaders to create positive change through kindness and empathy. From connecting student leaders to awarding grants for projects that amplify kindness in local communities, Riley's Way Foundation equips the next generation of leaders with the tools they need to make a positive impact in the world. Also, Riley's Way Foundation opened its national initiative, The Call for Kindness, for its second year. Winners will be given up to $3,000 each to help implement their kindness-inspired projects with their school or nonprofit partners. Learn more at rileysway.org. Please stick around for Kindness Calling, our segment featuring the remarkable teens from Riley's Way Foundation. One day she gave my recovery motto and she told me that I would never feel better unless I knew what it was to live a life that wasn't about me. And when you're narcissistic and you're working in a narcissistic industry and you have thoughts of taking your own life and someone says, no, you're going to feel better, but it's not about you. It's hard to kind of do the math on that one. And, and I said, I don't get it, but I need to get it. I'm desperate. What do I do? And so every single Saturday, she had me go do something that wasn't about me. So pick up litter, feed homeless people, read to elderly, paint over graffiti. And it was this weekly dose of doing this that completely changed my life. Do you feel like you're always running around thinking about the next thing? Like you have this mental checklist of things you need to have or should have accomplished by a certain day or year. And when you feel like you're not really getting anywhere, you beat yourself down. Or on the flip side, you might have the job or the house that other people can only dream of. Yet you still wake up sometimes feeling lost and empty. This is the story of Matthew Immersion, founder and CEO of Every Monday Matters. This is Camille. And this is Maverick. And this is Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action from the lens of today's most inspiring humans. Matthew grew up in Modesto, a city in Northern California. We partied in orchards. We swam in canals. Uh, There was nothing super fancy about it. You know, you had to get creative with your friends and how do we have fun? What do we explore? What games can we make up? While Matthew had a fairly simple upbringing at home, he had larger-than-life experiences that made him think differently of the world and of himself. When I was uh, in the eighth grade to, um, you know, going to a U2 concert and seeing all these people come together around music or the Olympics and There was always something in me that said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up, but I know I want it to be big and I want it to impact a lot of people. He did dream big. But then, as Matthew got older, he pretty much rode the wave and he ended up in places he didn't expect. I just went through this, you know, who is Matt and what does Matt want to do with his life? And I sold candy. I drove an ambulance for a day. I started a swim lessons company. 
I was just kind of searching for answers and then not really finding any answers. I thought I better just go back to school because everyone's happy when Matt's in school. So I went back and got my, my MBA at the Anderson School of Management at UCLA. And then coming out of business school, I was just still in that, you know, I don't know if I've found my passion yet. And my best friend at the time was the lead singer of a band. And they invited me over to their apartment to watch Monday Night Football and just, you know, have some beers and some pizza. And that night, they ended up asking me to be the manager of their band. Yep, you heard that right. He was a band manager with a newly minted degree in business. And then I started doing that, which I really loved. I loved the creativity of it. I loved being in the studio, uh, watching artists record. I loved managing them and pushing them to be truly be artists and not just say they're artists, but actually truly live and perform and do it. And then one day I met Robert Kardashian and I didn't know, but Robert Kardashian was a music man. He was a very successful music man. I always just knew Robert as one of the attorneys in the OJ Simpson trial. And Robert ended up offering me a job as his senior vice president of his music marketing company. And so then on top of working, you know, with a few unsigned artists, helping them get signed. And I also started working on projects for some of the biggest artists in the world. Dream artists like U2 and Coldplay. And so now I found myself in a totally different lifestyle, very different from growing up in Modesto, California, for certain. And, you know, I was working all day at the office and, you know, that was fun and crazy. Kim and Chloe and Courtney, they kind of traded off working there and their friends were coming in. So that was always wild and fun. And then after work, you're going out to dinners and to parties and after parties. And it just became this, you know, slippery slope of what does it mean to be successful in this thing called the music industry? At the time, Matthew thought success just meant making a lot of money, having a house in the hills, and dating women. That's what I thought I was supposed to do, and I thought I was good at it, and I thought I had arrived and I was successful. And then everything changed. Matthew woke up one morning, and he thought he was going to have a heart attack. He was 31 years old. It turns out that I was not having a heart attack, but I was having a very severe panic attack. And that panic attack turned into chronic anxiety disorder and depression. So this dream life that I thought I had created for myself, you know, came crashing down in a night's sleep. And I got very sick. You know, I didn't want to leave my house. I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. I even had thoughts of saying, you know what, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. He would get on his car and drive up to 100 miles an hour. Matthew was in a dark place. Thinking I had arrived and I had I'd achieved success, but then all of a sudden I had this deep, deep pain inside of me. Fortunately, Matthew was able to see a therapist. Her name is Denise and I joke that she's my expensive friend. <laughs> And we did a ton of work together. I mean, a lot of it was just kind of reprogramming, looking at personal stuff like my relationships, my boundaries, my choices. Matthew's therapist helped him step outside of himself. He practiced doing things that were no longer geared towards his previous idea of success. You know, there are people out there in the world like me, like you, going about trying to create a life. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course. And there's nothing wrong with being wildly successful at all. I think what happens, though, is sometimes it just our work becomes our identity. And it's like we're living to work. 
I hate this idea of work-life balance because it kind of says when I'm working, I'm not living. And when I'm living, I'm not working. And there's this splitting of ourselves. A lot of us might be guilty of this. I know I am. I feel like as all of us go through our day, we have to connect with why we matter and how much we matter. And we have to believe that our only reason for being put on this earth is not just to work and make money and do nothing else. My mom always says that when, it's a little bit dark, I guess, but when you attend a funeral, you're attending the funeral because you honor that relationship of that person. That person had meaning to you. And you'll see car after car after car, like in these processions, driving you know, to the cemetery or whatever. And the one car you never see in all those cars is an armored truck. There's never that car. There's cars filled with people that love you, but not a car filled with a bunch of cash. So from a guy who was so laser focused on success and material wealth, Matthew turned a different direction. He went on a particular mission and created Every Monday Matters. Our mission is to create a world where everybody knows how much and why they matter. And we create programs that help individuals, help companies, organizations experience this and to feel it and to own it in their own lives. And it's all kind of based on this idea of weekly repetition, this belief that we feel that people need programs. I guess that's why we hire trainers and things uh, to exercise. Our content is all built off this idea of monthly themes. So we ask people, if there's one thing that you think you need more of in your life or in the world today, what would that thing be? And we just collect these words, kindness, understanding, gratitude, curiosity, hopefulness. And at the end of the year, we sit down as a team and we pick the 12 words that are coming up the most. And those 12 words become the monthly themes for our upcoming year. And then for each of those monthly themes, we then have a different Monday that supports and helps to drive the monthly theme. When you sign up for the Every Monday Matters email list, you'll get a weekly email with information about their theme for the month and weekly topic. You'll also get suggestions on how you can integrate these themes and actions into your own life. We want to help people see the world through three different perspectives. One of them is I matter. Like, who are you? That internal stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly of it, my own mental health, etc., my own relationships. One of them is you matter. It's this deep understanding that you have the power to impact people around you with your words, with your actions, with your behavior, your thoughts. And then the last one is we matter, which is we're part of this larger fabric of humanity. And we're all in this together. We have a lot more in common than we do different. And whatever differences we have, we should celebrate. Through their education programs, the organization also focuses on helping students understand how much and why they matter. There is a big need out there for quality social and emotional learning curriculum and programs, things that will help our students with self-awareness and social awareness and self-management and emotional intelligence. And, and so we launched that curriculum four years ago. We do not charge the schools a penny for it. It's completely free. And we currently serve over one and a half million students in 49 states with that curriculum. In their program, they include activities designed to help students understand their own worth and how they can be active members of their classroom, community, and the world. It seems like every week a new study comes out, you know, whether it's, 
you know, emergency room visits by teens who were suicidal has tripled in the last five years or one in every seven teens now has seriously considered suicide. And then there's just the bullying and the lack of kindness and respect for one another. You know, these stories that these kids have of their home life that we often don't know what happens at home. And we have to be able to connect with that and understand that, you know, sometimes before we can teach these kids, you know, math or technology or some of these things, we also have to attend to their hearts and they have to feel loved and safe. Matthew knows the incredible power of two simple words. You matter. Her name's Nikki. When Matthew met Nikki, she was a freshman in high school and she was homeless. She understood for the first time that she mattered. And what I love about Nikki in particular is one day I asked, I asked her, I said, what was it about these two words for you? And she's like, cause no one's ever said it to me before. And it just was everything I needed to hear. And then she said, but at the same time, I realized that I could actually say that to people too. Nikki was able to graduate high school and go on to college. Matthew was even there for her graduation. What I hope people understand at the very core of all this is that in every single moment of every single day, we have an opportunity to serve. And service is not necessarily meaning planning a whole day trip to go volunteer and do this or to jump on a plane and fly overseas. Service can happen the moment you wake up and you pick up the phone and you decide to call a friend to say, hey, I'm just thinking about you, I hope you're awesome. It can happen in line at a grocery store. It can happen in the elevator where we all have been taught to believe that you're not supposed to talk to people in elevators for some reason. Instead, just say, hey, how are you? You know, I love your shirt. These are all different ways that we can change the world and our culture, which I believe needs it now more than ever. Every moment of your life is a moment to serve. If you want to learn more about Every Monday Matters, please head on over to everymondaymatters.org. Link is in our show notes. Please stay tuned for another inspiring installment of Kindness Calling, brought to you by Riley Sway Foundation. In this episode of Kindness Calling, we're hearing from Matthew Ekel, a senior at St. John's School in Houston, Texas. Everybody has different sets of obstacles, and I think that some people are more fortunate than others. And I think I've had a very fortunate upbringing with accepting parents who are okay with my being gay. And I feel like that's not something that everyone has. Like the privileges that I walk through the world with is something that I need to recognize. And that's really something that inspires me to continue being kind because not everyone has been afforded the same kindness that I have. Matthew has gone beyond recognizing his privilege. He's paying it forward. My project is working with Tony's Place, which is a drop-in center for LGBTQ plus youth experiencing homelessness. Matthew cooks meals and works with other alliances across Texas, largely in Houston. The reason why I got involved with cooking meals for Tony's Place is because especially for community that oftentimes have already faced rejection, has been thrown out of their homes by their families. 
For me, it's important that they know that somebody's willing to spend hours in the kitchen cooking something for them. It's important that somebody is trying their best to get them new items, and if not new items, and upcycled items, where everyone can feel valued and appreciated and live their authentic selves as amazingly as they can. In 2019, when the Call for Kindness competition first launched, Matthew was one of the 10 winners who received the grant for his project. So they've supplied me with uh, $3,000. And now we're starting to have like meetings where we meet other winners to try to create a network of students who are doing really cool things from across the country. Matthew says he's been using the grant money from Riley's Way to provide free meals through his partnership with Tony's Place. So every week what I do is that I ask somebody at Tony's Place, what would they like me to cook for the next week? And whatever it is, I make it. So some of them have been like fried chicken or pasta and meatballs or lasagna. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do. So it's not really focusing on getting like the most inexpensive item because anybody can cater meals. But it's really the thought and the effort that somebody cares enough to cook me something that I want to eat. I think that kindness and empathy are really important because if you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes and you show them compassion, that's what keeps you going. So it's not just you're handing out meals, but you actually get to know the people that you're working with and that you actually care about their well-being, especially like spending hours in the kitchen week after week. That gets tiring. But what keeps me going is remembering that I have the capability to cook somebody their only home-cooked meal for the entire week. And I have the capability to make somebody's day. Finally, Matthew is encouraging listeners to check out and apply to the Call for Kindness competition. He believes it's an amazing opportunity to have an entire organization back your project, especially if it's your first time embarking on this type of work. I feel like that's really reassuring whenever times are tough. Because whenever I've had struggles throughout my journey, I've known that I could have called Laura or somebody at Riley's Way and they could have helped me. Matthew is talking about Laura Kikuchi, Program Director at Riley's Way Foundation. So I feel like it's not just the monetary value that they're giving you, it's access to an entire set of resources and entire support system. And I feel like for me, tangibly having that has helped me become a stronger person through the work I've done, because now I've become a much more compassionate, caring and kind individual. So I feel like that's something that's been really, really awesome. And I really encourage everyone who has this opportunity to take it. That's it for Kindness Calling. Thanks again to our podcast sponsor, Riley Sway Foundation. As mentioned at the top of our episode, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Riley Sway Foundation opened its national initiative, The Call for Kindness. Teens from all around the country can submit their projects and ideas that are designed to drive change and inspire kindness in their communities. Winners will be given up to $3,000 each to help implement their projects with their school or nonprofit partners. To learn more about the Call for Kindness and other life-changing programs at Riley's Way Foundation, please head on over to rileysway.org. Again, all the links are in our show notes. That's all for today, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. 
Catch you all again next week and remember, be good to one another. 